Actions speak louder than words. It's an adage lost on the modern man. We're immersed in a culture of words, books, sermons, surface conversations, the kind that happen when we run into other people we really don't want to talk to. You've been there, right? We go to work, words. We go to church, more words. We're designed to be men of action, designed to do something. So why aren't we doing it? What's keeping us out of the action? In this series, we will be discussing how to acknowledge the mess without getting stuck in it. It's time to ruck up, Hangerman. Hey guys, welcome back to another week of the Hanger Podcast. I got to tell you, Mo, I'm pretty excited because we don't have a guest in the studio today. It's just going to be you and me back and forth, and I can't wait for the words of wisdom that are going to come out of your mouth in the next 30 minutes. I'm going to be honest with you, Ben. Neither can our listeners. Yes. I think everyone is riveted, and uh, if they haven't turned it off by now, hopefully they'll keep on listening to what we've uh, got to say. I want to start off today by just rolling back. We've uh, gone through 10 episodes now. We've had a lot of men come through the Hanger podcast studio talking about their lives, and we've just noticed some stuff that we're going to respond to today. So I'd love for you maybe to just go back and say kind of your impressions over the past couple of weeks. I mean, a couple would mean two. Uh, so, I mean, if you mean all 10 weeks. Listen, Mo, if, this is, if our relationship is going to continue, you're going to have to be less of a jerk, at least for these 30 minutes. <laughs> so I get to be a jerk after the 30 that, minutes. That's oh, fine, cool, but while yeah. people are listening, be We just want people behavior. to think we get along. Yes, that's, what it is. that's right. <laughs> man, these past 10 weeks have been pretty awesome. I mean, I think it was great. Those guests that we've had, uh, man, they've really brought some light on some some issues that, that, I mean, I guess I dealt with. You know, sitting here listening... Um, and being able to partake in some of the conversations themselves, man, it's just, it's been a lot of fun, uh, life changing in a lot of ways, but I got to know some really cool people through it and, uh, just really hear some amazing, amazing stories that are, that are encouraging and, uh, Man, it's just been a lot of fun. This yeah. has been so much fun, man. I agree with you. What's been so interesting to me is that when you get men behind a microphone and you get men talking, that they roll out these details about their lives that maybe they haven't shared with anyone or, or at least they haven't shared in years, and they just start opening up. And I've been kind of captured by the fact that when men get in conversation, real stuff starts to be discussed. It's been crazy to watch. Yeah, man. Uh, ben, you're not going to make me cry today. <laughs> oh man, I was out for that. That was that was the best I had. Yeah. No, not today. Yeah, you're not gonna get me. So just the bravery that the men have had to sit behind a microphone and, and share their story and being willing to open up and it's my hope. I know it's it's our hope together that men are going to start conversing this way. A lot of our reason for having guests in the studio was to give an example, not just of the content, but give an example of what it sounds like this true masculine exchange, one man to another talking about life. I think that's really been proved. We've spent some time all the way back in our first episode making the point that the church has largely ignored the man, especially over the past few decades. And we're in this position now where we're saying not that we hate the church, we absolutely believe in the church, but we are saying if the church is going to be relevant moving into the future, and I would say if it's even going to exist into the future, it's got to start addressing the hearts of men, wouldn't you say? Oh, absolutely. Man, I'll tell you what, I just was thinking about it while you were talking, how, how much courage it takes to sit in front of a microphone and say the things, have these kinds of conversations that these men have been having with us. I just had a friend who I, I posted a blog this morning, uh, and I just had a friend whose comment was it, was, it was a nice comment about the blog, but then it was, I wish I had the courage to do it. 
Man. I mean, we're writing, writing a blog, not even voicing an opinion, but like uh, the courage to do it. I mean, oh man, absolutely you have the courage to do it. You know, just step out and do it. So I just was thinking about how all of these guys, these men who've come in here and were open to having, not only having the conversation, but having the conversation uh, on a platform where people will hear the conversation and hear their hearts and be that example that you're talking about for men to, to, to be be having those conversations and the courage it takes to do that you know yeah i think it's just incredible yeah there's a big i think there's a big loss of initiation in our culture today man to man uh father to son and i think that may be the root of a lot of that is that men have just lost courage and belief in themselves we're going to talk a little bit about that today but the conversation has shut down and because um, we're surrounded by, in a large way, silence in things that really matter, then people have lost their belief in themselves to be able to have those kind of real conversations. You know, and it used to just be father to son that the real things weren't talked about, but now it's man to man. Everybody's kind of kind of gone dormant and talking about the real stuff. So what we're doing here is trying to make sure that we are being an example to other men, even to our own detriment. You know, we're gonna we're gonna lose fans the way we talk about the church. We only had about three or four to start with, yeah. right? But they're all packing up and, and leaving. But we want to make sure that people understand, especially the hangar men understand, that there's value in honest dialogue because that pulls you out of hiding. They you start sharing these me too stories. You hear men like Doug go and say, listen, I was trapped in a life of uh, pornography. You hear men like Jeremiah Loren saying, I was trapped in a life of addiction. And then all of a sudden you begin to realize, man, we're all, we are all immersed in kind of this life of pain and the stuff that has happened in our past is affecting our present. It's dimmed our view of the future. All that starts happening when men start talking, right? Mm -hmm. So this week we're uh, starting the series called Ruck Up. That's that's Ruck with an R. Yeah. Okay, so we want to make sure we don't get in trouble there. Uh, we're starting the series called Ruck Up, and I think it's important for us to explain kind of where we're headed over the next four weeks. We've noticed a, a pattern that many men are trapped in their past. They're trapped in the pain of their past. Now I want to make sure that we really clearly explain here. There is so much value in investigating the things that have happened to you. But you and I were having a conversation a couple of days ago, and there's something about that that bothers you. I'd love for you to, to let the hangar men know kind of where you're feeling about that. The fact that we, we get stuck in this idea of what's happened to us, and we, we just don't believe there's a future for ourselves, or if there is, we're certainly not participating in it. Yeah, there's a, a little bit of a... I mean, it's been it's been helping me a lot, you know, as as I as I've watched these men process through some stuff that they probably, even though there was a season of healing, right, that has taken place, and that they'd had to go through these uh, these life journeys and examine things as they talk about them, it's helping me process through some of the same things as it's bringing to light, bringing to surface some of those things that even though they've been dealt with, you know, even if it's superficially, I kind of say, okay, well, check that off the list. I dealt with that. Let's push it down. Um, but when those things come up, and I start thinking and and, and and working on those areas, it's really easy for me to sit around a table with a group of guys and stay there. Hey, this is where I'm at. This is where I'm at. This is what my dad did. You know, this is where my my family and all those things are healthy to to bring up so that I can process them correctly when I didn't in the past, right? Um, so that I can move forward and grow as a man. But then I get stuck there, and I'm like, Hey, guys, I'm in this like tar pit. Instead of pulling me out, what if you just come in here with me and we could play patty cake in the tar pit? You know what I mean? So it's like I could, I'll, I find myself even in in conversations or maybe social media. You know what I mean? I'm posting these comments of me essentially just whining 
about the truth of the father wound or the truth of the pain that I have inside of me. Um, you know, for me, it's, it's more what, um, a lack of self-confidence, you know, I suck at everything basically. So I'm not good enough. Wah, 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 wah. And this is me talking about me. I'm not talking about anyone else, but I think as men, it's easy for us to find ourselves in that place. And when other men see that, who have not yet taken that journey through the crap of their lives, they're like, well, I don't want to be a pansy like that guy who's stuck in a tar pit. I don't want to play patty cake. You know what I mean? Like, right. so I feel like it's, it's, uh, and I don't want to make light of it. You know, like it's really important to go through that. And it's really important to find yourself. Like you can't get out of a tar pit unless you recognize you're in the tar pit. You know, how do you get help? So that place is important, but I think there's a temptation to stay there. Um, and just be happy that you have a bunch of guys that are with you in it. Hey, come be sorrowful with me. You know what I mean? It gets old. Yeah. That's actually been going on a really long time. And we have this phrase that we repeat, uh, often misery loves company. Yeah. So are we in a place where we we're saying that you shouldn't investigate your past? You shouldn't look into this trauma. You shouldn't look into the building blocks that have made you the type of man that you are today. Absolutely not. We're not saying rub some dirt on it, right? And get back in the game. We're saying rock up. So the word picture there is every man has to carry a load. And I think this is a big truth that so many men aren't sharing with one another. We, we are trying to lighten our load. There's, uh, I love this phrase that people say often uh, in these manhood circles that uh, the rest of the world prays for a stronger back, and, but an American man prays for a lighter load. Mm. And I think there's some real truth to that. I think we should begin telling each other as men listen, you're going to carry a load. You are going to have responsibility in your life. Life is going to do you some injustices along the way, but that doesn't mean that you just throw the pack off and you sit down and you cry about it and you you get out of the game. What you do is come around one another have a shared vision and purpose for what masculinity looks like, be involved in conversation, and get back in the game. I mean, I I feel like, and I'd love for you to to agree or disagree here, I feel like that God has designed men to offer strength to the world. So how are we going to offer strength to the world if all we're doing is sitting around talking about how weak we are, you Mm -hmm. know? So um, it's not that it's a a problem to solve. Like, hey, don't talk about your weakness. Boy, that's the wrong way to go. And we've lived for generations that way. It's not that we're saying don't talk about your weaknesses or don't talk about the things that have happened to you in the past. You know, move on. Just handle that PTSD yourself. That's not what we're saying. We're saying we need to acknowledge that we have a load, but we also have to start talking as men that we're strong enough to carry that load and keep moving especially if we start sharing each other's load right yeah i think uh i mean when you were talking you said something back there <laughs> a few sentences back um but i say a lot of sentences yeah. don't I, Mo? all in a row it's yeah amazing. it's crazy <laughs> the uh the thing that, that that i was thinking about is that you know you said that the american man prays for a lighter load i i, I would argue that the american man prays for no load um, the, the American man prays to sit on the couch and not have to deal with anything. Uh, so he separates and isolates himself. So, I mean, I would argue that it goes a step further than a lighter load. And, you know, the idea for anyone, it might be, I don't know, maybe we're going somewhere here, but it might be the reason why the church is so sissified is, is that people think that you're going to go into this thing, that you're going to follow Jesus, and then you're going to have no load. It's going to be all, you know, sunshine and rainbows. It's going to be easy. It's going to be, Jesus didn't say, bear your burden on me 
and I'll carry it all for you. Jesus said, carry my burden because it's light. Mine mm. is lighter than yours. You know, my, my yoke is, is going to be a little, it's going to, my, the life in me, um, is going to be, uh, with me is going to be easier to bear, right? It's not going to be, the, the load's not going to be gone. The burden's not going to be absent. It's just with me, I'm going to help you carry that thing a lot easier. And then I think part of that is the men that come along with you. Um, I think it was Dietrich Bonhoeffer who talked about the responsibility of the brother, the, the Christian brother is to help carry each other's burden. You know what I mean? So it's, it's uh, I think it was his book, Life Together. He talked about uh, the, the church, the brotherhood of, of believers to be the responsibility for one another is I'm, my responsibility to you is to help you carry your burden. Because you're going to have a burden, like you said. Um, what, what, we're, what we're doing in, in these kinds of conversations is not, hey, I'm going to sit here and I'm going to let you vent and I'm going to listen to you tell me about all of your stuff for the purpose of just talking. Now, don't you feel better? That's not what it's about, right? right yeah. It's about, look, you tell me what you need me to help you pick up. And then we're going to pick that crap up together. And don't worry, I'm not going to make you carry it alone. I'm going to carry it with you. Because when I have that weight of the world on my shoulders, I'm going to need you to come alongside me and carry me. So there's two problems that you're facing there. I think what you're bringing up says that we've got to address two things. One is what we've been talking about for the past few minutes, that men are seeking a life with less and less burden, which I think causes all sorts of problems. But we're also disconnected from one another. You know, so we have to start being honest with one another about what our burdens are. But in order to do that, we have to have solid relationships with other men. And I, I feel like that's missing. It may just be me, maybe just be my story, my view of the world. But I feel like solid masculine relationships are missing. We don't use words like tribe or brotherhood anymore. It's just like these loosely connected relationships that we have with guys that are kind of centered around hobbies that we may do. But what you're talking about, and I want to dive into this for just a second, and I want to ask you a couple questions. What you're talking about is seeking out relationships with other men in a way that's going to cause you to be connected with them, actually sharing your life. And that's not easy. No, no, absolutely not. Um, it's, it's hard to do that Man, it's hard to be to, to build any meaningful relationship. I I think. I mean, crap, we're busy, right? Everybody's busy. Everybody's got stuff that they're doing. Everybody's got Yeah, but busy uh, with what? Right. That, exactly. Well, that's the point. It's we're busy with whatever it takes to keep us from having to face the crap that we have to face. There you um, go. we're busy with anything and everything. I, I mean, look at myself and I'm thinking, crap, well, I, I got to go take my daughter to practice or I got to do this and I got to do that. I don't have time to write a two minute read blog or I don't have time to call up my friend and say, Hey, look, man, I've got my iPad in my hand. I'm about to go take a crap and, and, you know, take care of business on the other end of that too. So it's like, I don't have time to do that. Um, because for some reason I feel like there's something else that needs to be done after that, even though it may be go to sleep, lay down and watch TV. Um, but it's, it's, I'm too busy. I don't have time for that. I don't have time for that. I don't have time for that. Uh, so, so building those meaningful relationships, um, is avoided by, I, I think that's what it is. I, I just kind of hit me. I don't know that it's, it's, it's difficult to do. I think it's just easy to avoid. Yeah, I love what you're saying there because I think most of us are craving genuine relationship and to be connected. Uh, we understand that we're isolated and that's frustrating us, uh, but it does seem like so much work to connect with other men. And I think 
calling people out and, and being involved in relationship and everything that that means, not only caring about what's going on with you, but caring about what's going on with someone else. I'm, I'm going to propose today that we haven't really been taught how to do that well, so, so we get nervous about it. But I think about these, these scenes when people are in trauma, especially in movies, and all these war movies are a great example of that. But someone's in trauma, they're in the fog of war, I mean, there's the ringing in the ears, and then you see this person come into the frame, and they're the guy, you know, with the big, big chew of tobacco in their mouth, bullets whizzing around, but they're the guy that grabs somebody by the shoulders and says, you've gotta get up, you've gotta move, you gotta get out of the line of fire. And I think as men, when we see those sort of scenes in movies, like that's the kind of guy that we wanna be. You know, we are called to be people of action and part of what is causing us to be so numb and so frustrated, go to these habits of hurt, go to pornography, go to rage, all of those things is that we're trying to figure out how how do we wake up? How do we live as men of action? We've got to do something right. Mm -hmm. And I think men have um, in so many ways taken these lesser stories. So our belief at the hangar is that God is writing this huge epic story over men's lives and 90% of us that's being generous I think 90% of us are missing that big story so we're, we're calling men to ruck up one of my big questions is why are we not in the action why are we sitting on the sidelines angry about it why are we looking at our areas of responsibility we look at our wives and we think oh man responsibility that's just more work well we decided to get married to them that was our decision we look at our children we've got children in our lives in our home their their responsibility we've got to do work there and we're frustrated by that we're frustrated we have to interact with them we go to our jobs we're frustrated what's keeping us out of the action is a big question i've got so here's here's some thoughts that i've i'm starting to form around this i think part of the reason why we're sitting out of the action is that we don't feel as men a purpose larger than ourselves. Mm. We are so self-centered. We're so trapped in our own pain and these conversations in the tar pit, as you're saying, we don't have a purpose larger than ourselves. And let's just be honest about this. What would the church be like if it were full of men that had a purpose larger than themselves? If they weren't just kicking rocks, walking in the door, they were walking in the door thinking this is a big journey. And we've got so much stuff at stake here. We're going to get involved with the action. You know, have you walked through that journey yourself about, let me find a purpose larger than myself. Have you ever been trapped in that time in your life or a couple times in your life where you just get so self-centered that it paralyzes you? Man, I think that I live there. (laughs) You know what I mean? Um, I've spent the majority of my life, and I'm not just talking about my adult life. I'm talking about my life wondering if there is something bitter, bigger for me to do. In fact, just the other day, I reached out to my original mentor, you know, the guy who convinced me that I had something to offer the kingdom. And I sent him a message. I was like, hey, man, I just want to thank you for spending the time with me and investing in me and blah, blah, blah. Um, what was it that you saw in me? I'm still trying to figure out what is my purpose? What am I supposed to be doing? Why did you tell me Uh, that I was worth your time? Why did you tell me that I needed to go seek out um, training to be able to do the things that you feel like I could do? You know, How how long ago was that? That That was like two days ago. No, no, the original conversation. Oh my goodness. Uh, Like a decade? Eight years ago? (laughs) So you've you've been wrestling with this question for eight years. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that's what I, and and it's funny because I told him that, you know, he, I got my response literally last night. Last night at around 8.30 is when I got the response to that, that, that message that I sent to him. Um, and it was a great response. But the, the point was that 
I was trying to figure out, even in a place where I feel like I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing, I'm like, but what is my purpose? Why? What, what's, the, what's the end game? Like, what am I working towards? What am I supposed to be doing here? And I know that that's been given to me. I know that I'm, uh, I've been, I believe that when, when the Bible says that God has created works for me to do in advance, that there's a, a specific purpose for me to accomplish in his greater story, right? Um, but what is it? And how do I find it? So when I don't know it, when I'm walking around blind, man, I'm, I'm pretty like lazy, if you will. You know, I wonder how easy it would have been for, for Paul to just halfway through one of his missionary journeys be like, man, I'm tired. I mean, that's one too many shipwrecks, dude. I'm not going through this one more time. That's one too many lashings from the whip. Like, what was it that motivated him to keep going? His greater purpose, right? Yeah. We were talking about one of the reasons why we don't is because we lack that greater purpose. And I was just looking, I was trying to scroll through Twitter because I, I tweeted it not too long ago, but um, I think it was Mark Batterson. I'm reading a book. Uh, I'm lying. I'm listening to a book. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for being honest about it. I was like, no, you're not. You're not I'm reading a book. I don't have time. No, I'm listening to a book. Um, you're too busy. Chase the Lion. That's right. <laughs> Chase the Lion. And, and he opens it up with like a, a manifesto or something like that. And and uh, the Lion Chasers manifesto, and one of them is um, to stop living life like the purpose is to safely arrive at death. Man, that's big. Yeah. Yeah. So when when I listen to you talk, I'm thinking there are a couple of things that you believe that I think most of modern men don't. One is that God has a plan for us, and it's a plan that's built out of care. Hmm. I mean, most men believe, I think, at least the ones that I talk to predominantly, believe that God is pissed at them. And yeah. that he's only just kind of delaying calling down the thunder because he's busy doing that in other men's lives. But as soon as God finds out who men really are, then he's out to punish. He's going to be out to get them, you know. But if you, and I love that verse you're pulling out that talks about that God has put together a plan for us. He's put works together for us, not words, works. He's put works together for us in advance, things that he requires of us, that he desires of us, and things that he's built us for. Hmm. So if we've stepped out of all of that, of course we're going to feel like we don't have a purpose. Of course we're going to be wandering around aimlessly in our stories, just causing carnage in the people around us because we're not doing what we are designed to do. Think about anything mechanically that you run across in your life. If you try to make one thing that's built for something, do something else. You try to modify it. Most of the times it's just going to cause damage. That's not where that part was intended to go. Think about a car. That's not where the part was intended to go. That's not what it's designed to do. It's just not going to work. And I think uh, many men that are waking up, they look at this picture of masculinity like, I got to drive a hog, or I got to you know, know how to shoot guns, or I got to be a warrior. But the, the real question is, I think we need to back up as hangar men first and decide, do we actually believe that God has made a plan for us specifically? It's been designed for us, and he seeks for us to act that plan out with our lives. I mean, how much would that change the way not just the hangar men out there, but how much would it change the way that you and I approach our lives if we woke up every morning with a sense of purpose, understanding that we have a father, no matter what our, our father here that we grew up with, no matter what they have tried to convince us of, that we wake up every morning saying, we, we have a God, a father that loves us and has built us to participate in life in a particular way, to accomplish things and to be men of action. 
no matter the baggage that the world has placed on us, that our lives have placed on us, that there's nothing that we can't accomplish without God. We've lost that belief. We've lost the courage. And I got to tell you, when I look at the Bible and I see men, you talk about Paul, I see a lot of other men in their stories that lost the, their faith and their ability. And very quickly after that, they lost their belief in God. And things just went straight to hell after that. And what I think what I'm so passionate about at this point in our journey as the hanger men is to try to convince men, yes, you have a load, but you need to believe, man, that you are strong enough to carry that load far enough to do some great things for the planet. What do you think? Oh, man, I agree 100%. I mean, that's, uh, I remember back when I was starting CrossFit. I remember my first day of CrossFit like it was yesterday. I was like knocking on 300's door, like 300 pounds. I was almost 300 pounds. I, I ended up stumbling onto this opportunity to do CrossFit for free. And if anybody knows CrossFit, that's a big deal. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was an act of God. So yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. And I'm, I'm sitting there my first day and I look at this board and they explain the workout that we're going to be doing. And this is after the warm-up. So there's a warm-up on the board, and then there's a workout. And I thought the warm-up was the workout. I was, I was about dead. You know, <laughs> I was like <laughs> jumping rope, t- t- three rounds of jumping rope. Oh, my goodness, I'm going to die. So I'm, in, I'm, I'm halfway through this workout, and I just, my, my, my thought was, I'm not going to make it. There is no way I'm going to finish this workout. No way. And throughout the process, man, it was amazing. People would come alongside of me, and they would make sure I didn't quit. They would make sure I didn't give up. They would make sure that I kept going. One more step, one more rep, one more push. Come on, you got this. Don't quit. One rep at a time. Just keep going. So at the end of it, I walk away. I'm sitting down, trying to, you know, not die. I'm sitting down on, 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 a, on a box jump box. And, man, the one thing I realize is when I first started this, I didn't think I was going to be able to make it. But because of that, because of my near-death experience halfway through the workout, I recognize how much I could actually do. And I'm wondering if like kind of what we're talking about here is until we go through these moments where we recognize the crap that we've been through and we see how broken we are, we can't realize what we're actually capable of. Yeah, I agree with that. Being being broken down so that you can be put back together, all of that requires action. Yeah. You know, you've got to get involved in the game in a way where you can you can fail forward. You can fail in a way that you're trying something and you get that sense of that larger purpose and you grow belief in yourself. And what you're calling out a little bit also is this idea of consistency that isn't just getting in the game once, giving it a shot and then backing up and saying, well, I knew that's how it was going to go. I I knew my wife was going to respond to me this way. I initiated sex once. It was terrible. So now I'm just going to go to the corner and lick my wounds or go to the uh, garage and have a beer. I mean, that's the way that we approach life. Many of us, we give it one shot and it doesn't go the way that we want it to go and then we decide just to be angry and frustrated and in our own shell for the rest of our existence but God I think if you look at the the pages of the Bible not only that but you look at men today men in our area that are living just living godly lives they're living the masculine journey what I see in them is they're committed to get back into the battle Mm. even if it means getting a bloody nose and part of what the key is to that I think something that we're 
kind of been tiptoeing around in the, at the beginning of this series is that we don't have men around us that can convince us, that can shake us awake, that can put the smelling salts under our nose, that can help get us up off the ground with all of that baggage and push us towards a destination. We are so alone. And one of the first things we've got to do, I believe, is get a crew of people around us that we can trust, that we can share life with, so that these times where we fail forward, we try to be men in the way that we think is good, and it doesn't go the way that we wanted it to, to go, we've got to be able to circle up around the campfire, so to speak, and talk to other men about how that's affecting us and what happened to them and they are going I'm telling you when I sit down and have conversations with men it isn't long before they start encouraging me man you got to get back in the game we are designed for action God has built us to do something think about the muscles of the body so we believe that that God created the body right it was his design so I, I remember when I was younger I was put in a cast for a time I wasn't able to use that body part we talk about this analogy a lot but I think it applies here if you don't use the muscle, what happens to the muscle? Atrophy. It goes away. Yeah. It goes away. And then to start using that again is painful and it's weak. So my proposal today is we have stopped using the muscle of masculinity mm. and it's gone away. And we see the generations that have gone before us and many of those men are uninitiated, weak men. Many not by their own choosing, I will admit that, but we have seen people who are atrophied, and we believe that that's normalcy. Mm. And I believe that God is calling people all across the world, actually, specifically uh, in our area, because that's what I can see, that God is calling men out of hiding and saying, look at this strong man, look at what they're able to accomplish, look at this man loving his family well, look at this man and the hell that he's been through and the way that he's still going about the masculine journey. And I think what God is telling us through that is we can too, we can too. So John Eldridge brings this question up and it's one that stuck with me. I read it uh, almost 15 years ago. Uh, he says that every man is asking this question, do I have what it takes? Mm. Do I have what it takes? And we're taking that question to everything but the right source to give us the right answer. So I'm curious to know, have, have you asked that question in your life? Do I have what it takes? And, and did you get the right answer? You know, I ask that question every day. Like <laughs> every before day. we turn the microphones every on? Every day, yeah. It doesn't matter. I mean, if anyone knows me, I mean, you guys know me. Uh, you, you know, Chase is in here with us. So Chase knows me and he has to deal with this all the time is it doesn't matter what I do, how many times I do it, how short of a period of time it's going to be. If I get on stage, I'm freaking out backstage. I am nervous as can be. And I ask myself that question, do I, ha I don't know if I have what it takes to do this. My job, I don't know if I have what it takes to do this job here right now. But here's the deal. One of the things is I will never find that answer until I try. I mean, I can ask you all day. And this was, goes back to that quote uh, that you were reading to me before we started this. I can, ask where, I can ask you. I can ask Chase. I can ask my dad. I can ask my, my mentor. I can ask Philip, uh, our lead pastor, our, our leader. I could say, hey, can I do this job? Well, obviously you think I have what it takes because you hired me. You're paying me to do it. Right. But... Until I go out and try it, until I, you know, ruck up and, and take action, I have no clue whether or not I can actually do it. I have no clue if I can pick up that weight if I don't try to pick it up. I have no clue if I have what it takes to do anything. I don't know if I have what it takes to be a father unless I engage in fatherhood. 
I don't know if I have what it takes to be a husband unless I try to be a husband. I have no idea what it takes to to be an employee um, unless I try to be an employee. Like, I have no idea. And you know what? The answer may be I don't have what it takes to pick up that weight. But if I've got that guy who knows what it takes to pick up that weight and he shows me what I have in me that I can accomplish, he also can show me how to get to where I need to be to pick up that weight. Right? Yeah, beautiful, man. So here, wrapping up today, here's what we want to say. We are calling men to action. And hanger men listening, I know that you probably don't have a belief in yourself that you even that thing you've been thinking about getting involved with. We know, I know that you're fighting this idea that you don't have what it takes. Because if we ask that question of ourselves, the answer is most often going to be no. I don't have what it takes. Our own personal insecurities are going to be that way. If we take that question to other people, then we're going to explain their yeses away. But we are calling hanger men to action to get involved in the game, to get the bloody nose, to ruck up and start doing some things that are masculine. Because our belief is you can listen to words all day long, but until you get in the game, until you start taking action, you're never going to believe foundationally that you have what it takes because you're going to understand that God is with you in that action. You can't do it alone, but you've got to start doing something.